The next reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. How and why Jesus got his name. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Well, good evening. And thank you to our musicians. Um, my name is Roger. I'm one of the other ministers here at Chalmers. Um, and I want to say thank you for joining us to celebrate Christmas uh, this year, especially um, struggling through the ice and cold to get here. And we want to be a church where uh, the communities around us feel very welcome uh, and come to hear the great news of Jesus and the great news of Christmas. For the next few minutes, we're going to be thinking about... Um, the passage we've just had read to us. So you may want to uh, look back on the service sheet and I'll put um, one of the key verses up on the screen. Hopefully. Yes, there we go, good. Oh, there we go. That's one of our key verses tonight. Um, she will uh, give birth to a son. You'll give him the name Jesus because he'll save um, his people from their sins. That's our key verse that we're just going to spend a few minutes thinking about now, and thinking why Christmas is such good news. Why is Christmas such good news? But as we do that, I do want to acknowledge that perhaps this year, of more than other years, we are approaching the Christmas season, I imagine, with mixed emotions. I mean, it's always the case that some people get excited about Christmas, and then some people are Scrooges. Um, in our family, uh, our four-year-old in September asked if it was nearly Christmas. In October, we put our fairy lights up. In November, we bought a tree. It's still alive at the moment, but who knows, by Christmas Day. Christmas, for many, is a time of real joy and celebration. It can also, though, be a really poignant time for many. Some, including actually some of our close friends, um, will find this Christmas to be a time where grief at lost loved ones is acutely remembered a time when loneliness or isolation can be keenly felt. For others, it's just a time of just stress, isn't it? Just strain and busyness. 
Kind of, how are we going to manage to, to get the food and get the presents and wrap the presents and, and shuttle the kids around to 15 different Christmas parties, carols, Santa's grottos, nativity plays, and it goes on and on. And let's be honest, this year, there's far more to worry about on the big picture. There's an ongoing war in Europe. Is that going to escalate further? There's a cost of living crisis. Will the bills get paid? There's an energy crisis. Can we afford to have the heat on? There's waves of strikes. The NHS is on its knees post-COVID. It would be entirely understandable if we came into this Christmas season with mixed emotions. Some of us actually may feel like, oh, what a relief to see some friends, to take some time out, to have some tinsel and tree lights, to lift the mood. Others may feel, well, all those joyful carol words and wishes of good cheer are ringing a bit hollow when it comes to the real world that adults have to live in. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Should have done that five years ago when it was possible. 2022 is a Christmas of mixed emotions. Now, lots of people here at Chalmers would testify that when times are tough, being part of a church community is a huge help. It is a blessing not to bear the burden alone. But actually, the real hope that we're here to celebrate tonight is at Christmas is not actually each other or the communities we're part of. It's the person we've been singing about all evening, Jesus Christ, a solid anchor for hope and peace in both the ups and downs of this life and in the face of death and eternity. The thing is, though, in the busyness and stress and mixed emotions of Christmas season, it is easy to overlook what good news Jesus actually is. In fact, Jesus' own dad, or adopted dad, did exactly that initially. That very first Christmas when Jesus was born to Mary was a time of real mixed emotions. It was a, a time of upheaval, both nationally and personally. And so when this hope arrived that could bring real joy and lasting peace, Joseph almost missed it. It actually took him a second look, a look past his assumptions and prejudices to realize what was even going on. And in the centuries since that first Christmas, millions of Christians would say, Christmas is worth a second look, a proper look, because it is the most wonderful news. So we're going to dive into Joseph's stories. That, that's the Matthew reading we, we just had, uh, Joseph's story, to see how he and we can grasp the real joy of Christmas. Now, why do I say that that first Christmas was a time of national and personal upheaval for that first couple? Well, nationally, Israel, where they lived, was under unwanted military occupation from the powerful Roman Empire at the time. So think about the occupied regions in, in Ukraine. That's why in our reading from Luke, uh, when Caesar Augustus decides he wants to take a census, well, everyone has to jump to it. That's why they were going to Bethlehem. Not because they wanted to, but they had to. It was a time of national upheaval, forced relocation for this census. But actually for them, Mary and Joseph, their personal turmoil as a young engaged couple must have been far more challenging to deal with than the national headlines. Because soon after they got engaged, we read in Matthew that Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, 
she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I've got three things to notice tonight in this short passage. Uh, The first one is that Christmas at first appeared to be an unplanned pregnancy. Matthew is clear. Joseph and Mary hadn't slept together. Mary knows that. Joseph knows that. So how do you explain the bump? You can imagine the shock, actually, the turmoil. A Christmas of mixed emotions, indeed. Joseph does eventually take a closer look. He gets through those mixed emotions, and he realizes that what's actually going on is good news. Good news of the most extraordinary proportions. A divine miracle is what's going on here. This angel of the Lord appears to Joseph to explain it to him. Says this, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph, he's saying, this is not a scandal. It's not a tragedy. This is a divine intervention. In fact, far from being an unplanned pregnancy, this is the long-planned son. I wonder if you notice the angel calls Joseph, Joseph, son of David. David, that is, the great king from the Old Testament, the one of whom there were loads and loads of promises that one day a special child would be born in his family tree, someone who would be a light to the nations. Our first reading was all about that in Isaiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Why? Because for us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He'll reign on David's throne. There was this great promise hanging in the air that one day, and this is hundreds of years later after Isaiah said it, one day in this one family, the family tree of David, there'd be one branch where a son is given, a child is born. No ordinary baby, but God stepping in himself to save. That's our first thing to notice. Far from being an unplanned pregnancy, this was a long-planned birth, the birth of a son, the long-promised king from David's line. That's actually one of the reasons I take the Bible seriously. Sometimes uh, our friends will ask, why do you Christians take such leaps of faith to believe in Jesus? My response would be, have you looked at the Bible? Have you actually looked at the demonstrable credibility of the Bible? It's credible because it doesn't airbrush the awkward bits. I mean, it's quite a striking story, isn't it? That the Bible actually admits Mary was pregnant during engagement, not to Joseph. I mean, you would have thought that would have got airbrushed out if it was made up. But more compelling than that is the fact that over hundreds of years, there are promises building up from God, that came true at that first Christmas. It's where all the carols get their material from. We knew the family of his birth beforehand, once in royal David's city. We knew the place of his birth beforehand, O little town of Bethlehem. Striking that one, because it looked like Rome was in control. Rome was who who got uh, the family to Bethlehem, but God was the one who planned it and promised it. Now, Jesus is given two names in this passage. Uh, The second one, Emmanuel, we're going to look at at our carol service next week, so we won't talk about that. Uh, But the the one he gets here is Jesus. And I've called this an unlikely name. This is our second thing. 
Jesus is an unlikely name. The, the name literally means God saves. Jesus is the name. God saves is the meaning. And I've called it unlikely. And by that, I don't mean uh, uncommon. It wasn't an unusual name at the time. I was looking up the least popular baby names at the moment. These are the names that are at risk of extinction, okay? From 2020, so maybe they've had a revival. Um, and just to say, if your name gets read out in the next minute, I'm sure it's not your fault, okay? I'm sure it's not you who've dragged that name down into infamy. Um, so, for example, in 2020, not a single Nigel. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nigel. Again, it's not you. Um, or Horace, or Melvin, or Royston, or Lee with a G. Um, all those names are in danger. On the girls' side, Gertrude, Muriel, apparently out of fashion, Bertha, Beverly, Doreen, Hilary, Maureen. Low on the lists, I'm afraid. But actually, at the time of Mary and Joseph, Jesus was a really popular name because people were desperate, desperate for God to save, desperate for some kind of salvation or rescue from God. God help us was a cry that people put into their baby names. We're under Roman occupation, far worse than us in post-Brexit, post-COVID continual crisis, Britain. So many babies back then were called Jesus. It wasn't uncommon. But of course, the thing about this baby it was it wasn't just a hope. It was a stone-cold promise. Look at what the, the angel actually says again. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That is, this is actually God's long-promised saviour. He will save his people. Sometimes when a baby is given a name before birth, it can be a bit awkward when they appear because <laughs> they might not look like the name in question. Oh, darling, he's lovely, but he doesn't look like a Barry. What are we going to do? Lots of people think like that about Jesus. He really doesn't look like God's long-promised saviour king. He was born homeless in a stinking cattle shed. Are you sure you've got the right address? The reason Jesus' birth was so humble, it was in a stable, not a palace, was because the kind of rescue mission he was on. Do you notice what the angel says to finish? He says Jesus will save people not from the Roman Empire, not from poverty, not from sickness and ill health, although the adult Jesus repeatedly proved that he had the power and the compassion to do all of those things in front of multiple eyewitnesses. But Jesus was here on an even bigger mission than that. Jesus fundamentally came to save people from their sins by going to the cross. That's the unsaved, unseen problem, to deal with our long-lasting sin. Now, I'm going to say why I'm calling it long-lasting in a moment, but as you hear that Jesus came to solve our sin problem, I'm aware that might sound precisely like the present you don't want this Christmas. Oh, thanks a lot. If you were helping with the cost of living, great. Or health for the waves of sickness, great. Or, or wise political leadership even for the global aggressors, great. Even if you just offered some kind of friendly social club, that might be helpful. But salvation from sin, really here we go. The last thing we need this Christmas of all years is someone heaping religious guilt on us. 
I really think some people have that reaction to the real message of Christmas, the message in the Bible, as if it's like some kind of bad present. You wanted iPad. You got golf balls and oversized socks. Do you remember what the worst present you've ever received is? I actually asked my wife that, and I was trying to get some material for this illustration. Uh, Turns out her worst five presents are all from me. (laughs) It was a humbling conversation. Um, I decided I I therefore couldn't share them because it would make me look bad. And the only consolation was she told me I'm improving. (laughs) Gradually, she said. Some people view the real Christmas message, the actual gift of forgiveness of sin, just like some kind of awkward present. You know, I didn't ask for it. I don't need it. I don't want it. I don't know what to do with it. And now I feel awkward around the friend who tried to share it with me. Don't know what to say. But for our last few moments, I want to say that the problem of sin, far from being kind of irrelevant to daily life, or a long way down the pecking order of real-world problems. I want to say that the problem of sin is our most urgent, as well as the most long-lasting problem we face. It's long-lasting because if you try and solve it yourself, you'll quickly discover you can't. It's also long-lasting because it doesn't just last in its consequences in this life. It lasts on into eternity. How can I say this is the world's biggest problem when there's a climate crisis and an energy crisis and international uh, war crises? Well, firstly, let me just define what the Bible means by sin. The key to the word sin is the letter right in the middle. Sin puts I in the center of the universe. It says God's not the boss, I am. I can do what I want, when I want. No one has the right to say otherwise. And so though God has made us and gives us every good gift to enjoy, including this lovely music to enjoy, we neither give him thanks nor listen to how he tells us to live. We think we can run our lives our way, looking after number one. The problem is, life doesn't actually work when everyone puts themselves first. It doesn't work internationally. The crises we're experiencing, it's the strong taking advantage of the weaker, the greedy taking advantage of the needy. But of course, the problem isn't just out there on the news. It's right in here, in my heart and yours. You only need to play a few family board games or live under the same roof as your relatives for a few days over Christmas to realize that as human beings, we struggle to maintain the peace, even horizontally. Living for me is not the way we were made to be. It doesn't work. And yet it comes so naturally now that even when we try, we can't stop it. The fallout of sin and selfishness is actually more serious, though, than just kind of strained, broken human relationships. The Bible says the most serious consequence of our sin is it ruptures our relationship with God. Our loving creator is utterly pure, perfect, just, and it just isn't going to sit there endlessly ignoring the way we treat him and treat each other. All of which meant for Joseph and Mary, that young engaged couple, living as a desperately poor family in an occupied territory of the Roman Empire, 
being bossed around by Caesar, their biggest need, their biggest problem was to be forgiven before a holy God. And it is for us in Morningside too. We have begun to see in in areas like the climate emergency that actions do have real long-term consequences in this world. And the Bible says the consequences of sin are not just spoiling up this world and spoiling relationships in this life, but they last to eternity. Every one of us is going to face God, a, a perfect judge explaining how we've lived on earth. And that is why Jesus came to a stinking stable. Not just as a teacher or a healer or a feeder, although he did all those things in his compassion. He came as a sin saviour. That is the glorious hope of Christmas, that God has provided a way entirely of grace, entirely for free, as a gift, something we contribute nothing to. Jesus has provided a way to be fully forgiven forever for free. That's the hope that Christians have. That's the peace and the joy that even the worst of circumstances can't destroy. In the last year, my wife and I, we've, we've watched on and grieved with a number of our friends, Christian friends, who've experienced real tragedy. There was a young child lost to leukemia, a young husband to brain cancer, a young baby to miscarriage. Three families, each a complete tragedy. But each of our friends would testify if they were up here. They have testified to us and many others that only the anchor of Jesus Christ, who brought forgiveness and eternal life, guaranteed into this dark world, Only that hope has kept them going in a world of suffering and death. It's not always as much in our face as it has been in this particular year with those particular families. But this is a world where people are dying. And Jesus offers forgiveness and eternal life. So then, as we close, let me just ask you a personal question. What do you make of the real Christian message? We've just heard it from Matthew. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. What do you make of it? Let me put three words up on the left of the screen. Maybe for you it's still a bit unseen, as in you haven't really taken notice of what's on offer, not in the past, and to be honest, not particularly this year either. You're just wondering how long I'll go on for. Uh, When sin gets mentioned, you kind of turn the other way, rather look the other way, head in the sand. Maybe for you it's unlikely. So, I mean, it sounds like a great offer, but surely it's too strange to be true. Or perhaps too good to be true. If you've made a mess of things and you know it, if there's stuff you've said or done in the past that that is just deeply shaming to you, perhaps that no one else knows except God, and, and it just seems too good to be true that God could wipe it all clean. Or maybe you think it is unplanned. It was just an event. No kind of great unfolding story of God. No long building up to the birth of Jesus. No, just a random event. 
And it's coincidence that it's somehow grown into a world religion, the biggest world religion, and it's coincidence that we're all here singing carols about Jesus. It could be safely ignored and dismissed. Well, if you are here and not a Christian, can I implore you to investigate it further? Far from being unplanned, unlikely, and unseen irrelevance, the birth of Jesus is quite simply the most significant event in human history. It was the long-planned son coming as God's long-promised saviour to deal with the biggest problem, the long-lasting problem of sin. And the angel is really clear who it benefits, isn't he? He will save his people from their sins. That's the invitation, to put our trust in Jesus, to become one of his people, ask for his forgiveness, and receive the full cleansing he offers. It is open to anyone, offered to everyone, but it is a gift we actually have to receive, personally. This Christmas would be a great year not to leave that present unopened. Let me pray now and give thanks for this good news. And if you would like to ask questions, please grab me afterwards. I'd love to talk to you. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that Jesus is your long-planned, long-promised saviour for our long-lasting sin problem. We pray that you'd help each of us to appreciate why this is such good news this Christmas season. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.